Good morning. Our scripture lesson this morning is from Genesis, the 37th chapter, verses 2 through 8, which I will be reading from the Tyndale translation, which is also the translation that's printed in your bulletin. This is the story of a dysfunctional family whom God will ultimately use in his unique, mysterious, and wonderful ways. I encourage all of us to stay tuned for further developments after this morning's reading. Jacob's son Joseph was now 17 years old. His job, along with his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpha, was to shepherd his father's flocks. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things they were doing. Now, as it happened, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph was born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob gave him a special gift, a brightly colored coat. His brothers, of course, noticed their father's partiality and consequently hated Joseph. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream and promptly told his brothers, causing even deeper hatred. Listen to this, he proudly announced. We were out in the field binding sheaves, and my sheaf stood up, and your sheaves all gathered around it and bowed low before it. So you want to be our king, do you? His brothers derided, and they hated him both for the dream and for his cocky attitude. The word of God for the people of God. So Jeremy told me, Pastor Jeremy told me he was going out of town this Sunday, and he said, I need you to preach on siblings. Okay, I have one of those. Not a problem. And then he said, oh, I have a great idea. I got this text like at 11 o'clock in the, in the evening. So those are always the best ideas. Oh, yeah. He doesn't want me to fall. He's a good brother. <laughs> and he said, how about your brother, who's also a minister, come up and preach alongside? I texted him back and I said, um, isn't your sister also a minister? <laughs> so you have an interesting um, clergy partnering here. Both of us have siblings that are in ministry. Both of us have taken, have siblings have taken the same path or similar paths to what we've chosen. And we have a story here of Joseph. And he and his brothers were all doing the same job. They were all shepherds. And he was being a brother like we can be or a sister like we can be. And when his siblings were doing things that were wrong, he went running back to tell daddy to make sure that everything was the way it was supposed to be. I'm sure Joseph was a highly intelligent child who grew up to be a brilliant teenager and who went on, as we know, to uh, be the second in command over Egypt. He couldn't have been too much of a dullard. But sometimes highly intelligent people can also be highly annoying. Right? <laughs> And so we find in our story a little brother who was pesky at best and highly annoying on a regular basis. 
And his brothers did what wise old brothers tend to do and tried to knock him down a peg or two. Even to the point they actually sold him into slavery, into Egypt. Maybe that's an extreme knock down the ladder. But we can see where the brothers were coming from. They were frustrated. They were angry. It doesn't make it okay that they sold him into slavery. But they had these big feelings that they didn't know what to do about. So this is our story of Joseph, and my brother has my cue cards. (laughs) So sibling drama is quite universal. So I came up with some questions that my brother and I will try to answer in the form of a sermon. No, neither of us have ever done this before, and I feel like I have my back on half of you. I'll scoot back. Here we go. Neither of us have ever done it before. Jeremy didn't have a lot of pointers because he's never done it before either. So welcome to our guinea pig lab. We're going to talk about what it's like to have siblings. So how did growing up with a big sister like me cause any rivalry or drama in your life? Well, um, I I have you to blame for my uh, piano playing. Um, and for Bible quizzing, when we did yeah. quizzing in church, uh, my involvement in the church, a lot of what uh, you did ended up being what I thought was the standard. I mean, this is she did this, so that's what I should be doing too if I want to uh, be a good person or be a good church, you know, parishioner type of thing, or be good in the youth group on hmm. be on the council and be involved in all these things. I never thought there was another option of being some other type of youth in in America. It was just like, oh, you do what your sister did. And so that did, that was a template that I followed, and and I did it my own way, in a sense, um, based off our personalities and Mm -hmm. the way that we attack things. But um, it was, you know, I thought I was doing something wrong by deviating from what my sister did. And so that was very much a Uh, coming to terms with my own individuality in order to do something different and still feel like I was following Jesus, you know, because Christy was following Jesus, so I had to do what she did, you know, kind of thing. And that had always been since, you know. So we little. So it was a good peer pressure in that respect. Right, and I can't imagine if you decided to go off and join a Wicca cult or something. I don't know what I'd have been, but. So our parents were fortunate that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So they had something to do with that too, I'm sure. Yeah. So we were pretty close as as youngsters. I remember one thing I could always count on you for. The times that we lived in a group in Oklahoma, and I have a kind of a question and answer sheet in the pastoral letter today, so you'll get to know more about us than you ever wanted to know. Um, But we did grow up in Oklahoma together, and one thing you might know about Oklahoma is that it's considered Tornado Alley. So anytime there's thunder and there's lightning, it gets a little scary. So I always considered myself the big, strong sister who had to protect him, but in the middle of the night, if there was a thunderstorm, he would get a knock on his door. Will you come sleep on my floor? I'm scared. And he would. He would come drag his mattress in and sleep on the floor of my room, and then eventually, I think when we were late high school and I still was getting scared in the middle of the night, he finally said, if you're that scared, you come sleep on my floor. (laughs) But he diligently came in, and he would just fall asleep on the floor, and and I would be okay knowing that my little brother was there, and I wasn't alone in the middle 
of a thunderstorm. Being second born, you, you learn to take orders, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and that's yeah, you how you, you grow up. And, and that was a process for me longer than your process with making decisions because I didn't have anybody telling me what to do. I had to decide for myself when I got out on my own. And I'm like, I'm not used to this. I'm used to my sister just saying, this is what you're doing. I'm like, okay, you know, and go off and do I'm good that. at that, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, so what are some things that you could count on me for, if anything? Well, I always knew that you had my back as far as, I didn't have a social game at all. And I, so, you know, if, if I That's liked a girl right. or something, it was like, I had no idea how to even broach that subject. But she would always have my back. It's like, no, no, don't mess with that one. Or, oh, yeah, that one's okay. You know, that kind of thing. Or uh, in terms of... Uh, even sometimes getting into petty trouble where you, you get a cookie you're not supposed to, she would, you know, have your back in that and, or whatever, those kind of little things. But um, ultimately, it was that security of knowing that no matter what I've done, whether you're visiting me in prison or, you know, if that's worst case scenario. I never happened, visited him no, in prison. I, no, I have no <laughs> criminal record. <laughs> you don't necessarily get to be reverend with a criminal record. But no. um, the you'd have that, you'd always knew that there was somebody. There was, there was a strength there and a foundation there in order to deal with that. And, I, and it's hard to, when you're counseling people, when they don't have that, how are they, where's their foundation at that they're going to build off on and move from? Because we do, growing up in a Christian home, we have a very strong foundation of people who are loving us unconditionally. And that ultimately is more valuable than anything else because it allows you to keep stepping forward in life. So. And moving forward, yeah. So one of the ways that we moved forward, we went from being active youth in our youth groups to going to a, a Christian university and being active there. We went to the same school, so that was fun sometimes, sometimes not. Um, but eventually both of us ended up in the religion department and the music department. Uh, so what do you think compelled us to be in full-time ministry? You want me to go first? Or you yeah, want? go ahead. All right. <laughs> so I know um, I felt a call of God on my life when I was very young, and that was affirmed to me through the church that I served and the, uh, the church that I attended. Um, but then once we got into school, part of the con- competition for me was I was the only female in my division, and so I had, because of my competitive nature, to be the best. And so that really pushed me and drove me forward for good or for worse, for better or for worse. But then you came into the religion department, too. And that, in a time when I was less less concerned about my grades, (laughs) and you pushed me to continue to do the best that I could, even when I was... Yeah, that kind of being close to the end of a marathon, you're like, just you're going to be much happier exhausted at the end of a race than when, you know, finishing the race Pushing and having given up and being well-rested, you know, so. I do have to tease him, though, because he has a degree in urban ministry, and he yeah. has served rural churches for yeah. his entire ministry career. <laughs> and my degree is just in regular ministry, and I keep serving churches in the city. So yeah. there are days that I want to switch degrees with him, but that's Yeah, not if you want to ever hear stories of the Wild West, I lived in the Sonoran Desert outside of Tucson, and all those, yeah, yeah, never mind, that's an Ohio thing, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning Ohio, I, I'm still learning Ohio. I, so what compelled you, or was there any rivalry in becoming a minister with you? 
Well, again, the, the call that I felt and had very implicitly in my life was, was early on. And, and that was because of our parents, uh, how they raised us, and then how you kind of led the way, me following in that. At 13, I accepted that call outside of any other parameter. So going into SNU, or Southern Nazarene University with you, and doing theology, I had a little bit different track, but I found that following in your footsteps made it a lot easier for me in my social game um, and being able to navigate a lot of the things. And it's like learning the shortcuts ahead of time, you know, versus having to learn them yourself. And so I was able to be a lot less stressed because I, you know, I didn't have to worry about friends. I just hang out with her and her friends, you know, um, that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I'm still learning how to make friends, but you'll get there. So. It, it did influence that, but it was when you actually left and I started having to go in deeper and deeper with our internship program that we're in that I started finding my own voice and finding my own ability, um, and it's been when I'm out on my own, and it's like me, do or die, sink or swim, mm-hmm. that I actually developed the, the skills and talents. It wasn't until then. So kind of like living under your shadow was great because it was an efficient means of use of energy and mental because I didn't have to think about things. I just could follow my sister. But then when I was out on my own, I'm like, oh, you know, sink or swim now. We did have a lot of fun. My first pastorate, I had a group of interns, and I hired my brother as one of them. So we had a good time with that. Mm -hmm. Um, That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we both have children. We both have two children. So our children have siblings. Hi, children. Yeah. They're scared what we're going to say now. Many things. So what are some of the things that we learned as siblings in trying to learn to get along with one another? And um, we had a rule that we had to speak respectfully with each other um, when we were children. And so that ability to do that with each other as children allowed us to then learn to speak respectfully to adults. Despite your feelings. Despite Despite, how you're feeling about them in the moment. Having yeah. a kind tone, even though you're raging inside, you know, it's perfect for ministry. So. <laughs> it's like, that, 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 yeah, you're yeah. right. I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> Nazarenes. <laughs> Nazarenes. <Yeah. laughs> so what are some of the things we're trying to teach our siblings that we are raising um, in order to not just put them on a path for ministry because that's not, a, uh, that's not what we choose for them. They get to choose their own path with the Lord's will. But... Um, what are some of the things that we're teaching them to be better people, um, better humans, better Christians, and getting along with each other? And a lot of that's hindsight. You look back and you're like, oh, I was learning something. But at the time, it did not feel like that at all. But in the sense of you have a perfect opportunity to develop a real, genuine, godly character with a sibling um, in the midst of the emotions and the feelings, learning how to not only tamper and control, but direct them and still be Christ-like to your sibling. And so we talk about tone. Well, careful with your tone when you're talking to somebody. We, keeping that human dignity without, you know, not putting each other down or not trying to push their button, uh, allowing and giving grace in the midst of, well, they made this decision and you automatically think they're trying to get at you when they when weren't, you know, offering and extending grace and living in that place of extending grace to others. Um, so it, continuing that trend of it is an important opportunity 
that you would not want to miss is being able to develop that character and mm -hmm. to be able to have that because I mean we need more adults with character obviously I mean that's why we continue to do this thing called church is because we really believe in what Christ is doing in our lives and that mm -hmm. it's important it's a big deal mm -hmm. and siblings are a perfect example of or opportunity uh, to flesh that out because we're one way at church but then we can be a little snarky at home you know that's how we function we have a good face here and we act all nice and that's normal that's the protocol but sometimes when we're in our worst place at home and it's late or whatever the worst of us comes out and that's a perfect opportunity for Christ to speak into that and siblings are always giving that opportunity yeah it's a it's a great way to grow and learn in a safe space because it's better to learn how to get along with others as a child versus in your workplace right it's a little more difficult when your job's on the line. So yeah. um, it was good to grow up with you and have the sharpening that your personality brought to mine um, to help me become a better person um, in the midst of sometimes the not-as-fun parts right, yeah. and, of things. And that's okay. Yeah. Well, Joseph's story jumps ahead to redemption. We know in the scriptures it tells us that Joseph was thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, and then had some encounters in Egypt that were less than pleasant, let's say. And then eventually Joseph rose through the ranks and became second in command to Egypt. And when he was in that position of power, there was a famine. And his siblings had to come to Egypt and beg for food. And they realized, when they realized who Joseph was, that this was the baby brother we threw into the pit and sold into slavery... They were petrified, petrified that he would take his retaliation out on them and their families and send them home to starve. But Joseph had grace in that moment. God gifted Joseph with great grace. And he worked towards redemption. They played a little trick on them, but he worked towards redemption in their relationship. Sent them home with plenty of food so they could survive the famine and brought healing in those moments. So our past often define us if we let them. Sometimes the bad experiences, it's hard to let them go. And even with a lot of therapy and, and, and professional help, it's hard to just release some of those things that shaped us in our core when we were young. But we see in the story of Joseph, and we have the opportunity with our siblings and those we live with, to find those redemptive moments in the story. I still get a little afraid at thunderstorms, and now it makes me smile when I remember my little brother, and he used to have hair, and it used to stick yeah. up really funny. And I look down, and this little kid with the sticky-uppy hair is on the floor asleep because he cared enough for his sister to sleep on the floor because she was scared. And there are redemptive moments that we find when we remember sometimes that maybe weren't as fun in our childhood and how they've shaped us and turned us into better human beings because God's grace came in and made them redemptive experiences for us. So I guess my challenge for all of us today is that sometimes it's easier when we say, Jesus, who's my neighbor, when Jesus said, love your neighbor. 
It's easier to look outside our houses at the neighbors next door than it is to look in the bedroom next to us. That neighbor may be harder to love because that neighbor knows how to push all of our buttons and make us angrier than probably anybody else. That neighbor knows our weaknesses and our strengths. That neighbor, we didn't get to choose. That neighbor is a sibling. Or maybe you don't have a sibling and it's a cousin or it's a friend or it's somebody that your parents have cared for. But I pray for all of us today is that as we look back on our sibling relationships or as we move forward with our sibling relationships, those of us who still live in the house with our siblings, that we'll recognize the gift that they are or the people who act like siblings to us for those of us who are only children. The people who sharpen us, make us better, push our buttons and teach us the skills that we need to stay calm in the midst of chaos. Those people, they're harder to love some days. But they're the people that push us. They shove us into places that we weren't expecting. If you'd asked us both when we were children, if we would both be sitting on this stage telling you stories about siblings with reverend in front of our names, we probably would have laughed. Never would have thought Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) I never would have thought Michigan either, but here I am. And yet, because we pushed each other in healthier ways, helped each other develop character, and we're still helping each other develop character... And even doing practical things, like my my baby brother installed all the locks on my house yesterday. You do still keep a sense of responsibility no matter how how old you get. That's right. Don't you lose Keep your mom, your sister safe, you know. You're not a good person if you don't, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's just a basic rule of life. Basic rule of life. Keep your mother and sister safe. So as we go forward this week... May the people in your life who are siblings to you, whether they're blood-related or just people who sharpen you in ways a sibling does, may you find the redemption. May you find the joy in those relationships. And if there's the need, may you find healing so that you can reach out and love those who may not always be loving towards you. but we're somehow gifted and put in our lives. So we ask these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.